Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. So cool. I want to talk to you today about a message. Um, it's actually, I'm preaching this service. I preached in the 9am, this message. At 5pm, I'm preaching a different message, but in the same theme. It's something I've preached before. It's on the both ends of God. And today I want to talk about the promise paradox. I want to talk about how we often look at the promises of God and read Scripture in one way when maybe it's not wrong, but it's not complete. It doesn't actually show all of who God is and what God wants to do. And my hope and my prayer is as I teach this today, last week was a bit of faith. It's talking about expectation, that God wants to give you the desires of your heart and we stirred one another. Today, I wanna teach you a little. Today, I just wanna help you see wider and maybe a fuller picture of who Jesus is, what His promises mean and what Scripture shows us. Today is not an opportunity to go, wow, Josh, you're you know the Bible, today is an invitation for you to go, wow, I can know more of God. So it's not just today to hear me show what I've seen, today's for you to go deeper with Him, amen? Imagine this, imagine if someone came to you and this was someone you looked up to, someone that was full of life, someone that was fit, someone that was healthy, someone that was energetic, someone came to you and said, I wanna give you a gift, I, I wanna help you, I promise I can help you to be fitter. I can help you to be healthier. I can give you the gift of long life. I can, I can help you to be, uh, to be a better version of you. If someone came to you and offered you for that, you'd say, I'm in. I wanna be healthier. I wanna be fitter. I wanna be full with life. I, I wanna live a long life. I wanna be my best version of me. And they said, no worries, I want you to meet me at this location tomorrow morning. You turn up excited with what they were gonna do for you. And you walk in and you find out they've taken you to a gym. And they stand there and they say, what I want you to do is see that heavy thing over there, I want you to lift it. I want you to carry it. And see that machine over there, I want you to get on it. And you're gonna sweat a little, but I want you to run on it. And then over here, I want you to get on this mat and I want you to stretch. And you, but don't worry, I'll be with you always, even to the end of this session. And, and, and it's there that you might look at that person and say, this isn't what you promised. I heard you would give me the gift of life, of health, of fitness, of me being the best version of me. But the person looks at you and says, yeah, I, I'm going to. I'm gonna be right next to you, but you will have to endure. You will have to lift, you will have to work, you will have to sweat, you will have to follow, you will have to trust, and you will have to lift. The reality is that they didn't lie. Their promise is true. You just needed a full picture of how they were going to outwork their promise to you. You need a full understanding of the journey. Now, you have an opportunity at this point. You can either go to the extreme of hurt and say, well, you lied, you disappointed me, you didn't do what you said you would do, or you have the opportunity to trust. When Jesus gives us His promises all through Scripture, and there are many promises, sometimes what we think, because when Jesus makes a promise and then we have to walk out the journey of seeing the promise fulfilled, while we would never say it out loud because we pretend we're so righteous and holy, we in our hearts sometimes believe maybe what Jesus said was untrue. 
Sometimes we probably think, well, one moment God is incredibly kind, we think God has probably also changed his mind. Why hasn't God done for me what God has done for others? Sometimes we wonder, and if you look at Scripture, you see God seems to say one thing in one moment, but then sometimes He seems to contradict Himself and say something totally different. Let me show you a couple examples. We'll put the first one on the screen. In Matthew, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who, say it with me, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. But then in John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So one second, do I have to be hungry, or do I have to be thirsty, or do I have to be filled? Which one is it? Because one moment I'm blessed if I'm hungry, but the next moment if I go to Him, I'm no longer hungry. Which one do you want me to be, Jesus? It seems to contradict itself. Let me give you another example. Uh, we put here in Matthew, in the sa- Jesus is talking, in the same way, read it with me, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But then a chapter later, he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others and be seen by them. In fact, if you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. One moment, he says, make sure you shine all of your deeds for everyone to see. And the next moment, he says, don't show your deeds to others, otherwise you'll miss out on your reward. Which one is it? It seems like he came to do away with works. Yet when I go to James, it tells me that if I don't put works to my faith, I actually can't achieve what God has for me. Which one is it, God, that you want to live, what you want me to live by? Does anyone read Scripture sometimes and it seems like it's almost contradicting itself? Do you read and see there's these moments where you're wondering, God, what are you saying? I wanna say to you today, God is not changing His mind. He's not confused. He doesn't say one thing and then forget it and then say something totally different a different day. Rather, what God is doing is God is giving you an invitation to come and explore and understand more of who He is and what He intends for your life. What God is not doing is saying, God is not trying to fit in to the paradigm of your mind and the limitation of your understanding when you seem to see a contradiction in the Word of God or the promises of God, it actually is not a contradiction. It is actually an invitation of God saying, you've only seen one side of me, but actually I want you to walk in balance of understanding all of who I am. Are you doing okay today? Scripture, and therefore my understanding of God, is sometimes a paradox. So what is a paradox? A paradox is something that is seemingly contradictory. However, it actually is true. A paradox is something that seems to, a statement that seems to contradict itself But after further exploration, you realise it's actually true. And the Bible is filled with these as an invitation for you to go deeper into the things of God and explore, experience, and learn more. The Bible's filled with these paradoxes like, uh, if you're weak, you're strong. If you're poor, you're rich. If if uh, if If you give, you're actually going to receive. If they, even by saying it, they seem to contradict itself, but it actually, when we explore it, is true. 
We've talked about some of these before when we've done both and. We've talked about grace and truth. Which one is it? Well, he's actually a God of grace and truth and therefore I have to learn to walk the line. He is a God of both forgiveness and repentance. That while he forgives me, I still have to have a repentant spirit. Is he lion or lamb? I mean, you couldn't get two animals that seem more different to one another, but he's a lamb-like lion and a lion-like lamb. He actually is both and sometimes because of our upbringing or experiences or personality we see God from one perspective and one's not wrong and the other's not wrong but in fact we find the fullness of God when we walk in balance trying to explore all of who God is why do we have to do this because God is different to you and me he's bigger than we are his kingdom and his ways are so different to the way we live here on earth and our ways. He has a divine plan that is greater than your plan. And he does things that you may not, and he allows things that you may not. Which is why Isaiah 55 says this. It says, my, just put that up if you can. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways. So when we read scripture, we actually have to do something that many people don't wanna do. And when you try to understand who Jesus is, you actually have to posture yourself in what, a position that many people don't want. You have to posture yourself with tension. You have to read scripture and follow Jesus with healthy tension. You have to learn to trust tension. I mean, can I ask a question? Who here avoids tension in their life? Does anyone hate conf confrontation? Does anyone hate you know, conversations that have tension or moments that have, come on, just show your hands for a moment. Who hates tension here today? So what happens is, is in life, God actually wants us to have healthy tension because tension is what moves things forward. If you wanna progress in life, you actually need tension. Like the gym example before, there actually has to be weight and tension for there to be growth. I mean, if, if God is the car and I am the caravan, the only way for me to get to my destiny is when I hook myself to God, there has to be a tension that pulls me forward so I can go where I can't go. But most people hate tension and they want to avoid tension. So they choose the side that's comfortable for them and they then go to an extreme. You see, Tension, as uncomfortable as it is, is not as dangerous as going to an extreme. It's in the extremes that pain happens and it's in the extremes that people get hurt. But the way to grow in God is to read Scripture with healthy tension. The way to learn more about and understand Jesus' nature and His promises is to look at it with tension. You see, there has to be a tension between where I am now and what God has for me next. I'm living where I am, but I'm also where I'm not. I live in tension. You see, there's a tension between my desires, because last week, what did we teach? Let him give you the desires of your heart. Are you allowed to have desires? Yes. But does he work things for your good or his good? His good. So which one is it? My desires or his plans? It's actually both and it sits in tension. One sits in the, in the other. There's actually a tension between my version of good and his version of good. And what we've got to learn to do is to trust the tension. Can I give you some practical examples? 
Because when you live in the extreme, we make mistakes. You know, do I discipline my kid every time my kid does something wrong? Spare the rod, spoil the child. Every little thing, I'm gonna discipline them. Or do I let kids be kids and find their own way because they need to make mistakes, they need to scuff their knees, they need to get it wrong to learn? Which one's right? The reality is you have to walk in tension. What happens with your marriage? Sometimes in marriage, some people want to talk about everything. You left the toilet seat up, let's talk about it. You stacked the dishwasher wrong, let's talk about it. You didn't come home in time, let's talk about it. You didn't look to me the wrong way, let's talk about it. But then there's people on the other side, there's fight and flight, you know, there's confrontation and then get your head in the set. There's the other side, whereas we don't talk about it because it's awkward, because it has tension, because it feels uncomfortable. Which one's right, which one's wrong? Well, one will end up not with any joy, it'll end up frustrating and too intense and the other is not real, it's not a relationship, it's fake and will never move forward. The only way you have a healthy marriage is to walk in tension. And we actually have to do the same with God because whether you realise it or not, we all look at God from the perspective of our upbringing or the church we went to or our personality. And that's what I'm gonna talk about tonight, a different message on how to view God. But we sometimes say God is one way or the other. But He's not or God, it's both and. He is the beginning and the end. He was the first and the last. Jesus came as both God and man. It's hard to understand but that's the tension. So we love Him for all of His glory, but even more because it's mingled with humility. And we love Him for His uncompromising truth, but that truth is matched with beautiful grace. And we love Him for His majesty, but even more because it's majesty in meekness. And this is what we realise in the beauty of Scripture in Jesus, is that He is not one or the other. He is not limited to my thinking or experience but God is more magnificent, larger, and wonderful than I could ever imagine. So rather than choosing a side, I learned to walk in the balance of both and with God, knowing He is greater than anything I could imagine, knowing that He is more kind and good than I can understand. I walk in this paradox of moments that don't seem to make sense, yet somehow they do. And this tension is vital for knowing all of Him and all that He is doing. So there's a paradox, a both end, the tension of Scripture. And because if we don't look at God this way, what we'll do is we will look at God through our situational lenses. The situation we're in will give you lenses that you will look at God through. And in the good times, you'll see God one way, and in the difficult times, you'll see God another. And you have to choose what side of the paradox you live in, but instead you can live in both, seeing all of who He is, so you can understand what God means by His promises. So today, I wanna talk to you about the promise paradox. I wanna talk to you about when God gives you a promise, what is He actually saying? Are you doing okay today? You're cool with teaching this morning? So the first one I wanna show you, and all three are very similar, but I'm layering them to make a point to help you. The first promise that we sometimes get confused with is the comforter does not mean comfortable. This paradox, when He is the comforter, it is not a promise that things will be comfortable. See, the Holy Spirit, um, when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, He said, I will send my helper, advocate, teacher. But one of the words was used all through Scripture when referring to God and the Holy Spirit was the comforter. And some of us see the Holy Spirit, the comforter, like an Udi. Who has an Udi here? 
Couple of us, we're praying for you. This is not mine. Uh, I swore to myself I would never get an Udi, and I haven't to this day, but Shans came home. Instead of getting my boys chocolate at Easter, she bought him a Star Wars order. Order, Udi. And when she came home, I said, not in my house. But then my boys put this Udi on, and everything changed in them. It was like comfort they never knew existed. And I've seen people wear an Udi. It's like you can have a bad day, and you go home, and you sit on your couch with your Udi, and everything is good with the world again. I mean, I've been stressed out. I've been worried. My boss is a jerk. My friends aren't good. But in my Udi, the world is, it is like 40 degrees in here. Here, the world is warm. The world is comfortable, and nothing can hurt me here in my avocado Udi. <laughs> because this is what it is, it's comfortable. And maybe there's moments of life that are meant to be comfortable, except I've seen a trend happen. I believe Udi's are okay in the house. <laughs> but I've started to see people wear Udi's out in the shops. I've seen Udi's in the cinema. I've seen Udi's in the bank. I saw a kid rock up to a basketball game in an Udi. I'm like, you gotta sweat. I've seen people wear Udi's to work. They're no longer with us. <laughs> and what we feel like is the Holy Spirit is like an Udi, that He's there to make me comfortable. And can I say, there are moments, oh, I'm sweating. There are moments of comfortable. However, you weren't meant to go out in life like that. You weren't meant to go out wearing that Udi. See, the Holy Spirit is not someone that's there to make you comfortable. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. And He is not there just to pretend and cover you so you feel like the world will never hurt you, that things will never go wrong. And if I have the Holy Spirit covering me, no pain will come my way, no one will disappoint me. And then we step out into reality and we either realise I'm different to everyone else or everyone else is in pain too. No, the comforter is not there to make you comfortable. When you look at the meaning of the comforter, the com picture is one that is summoned to the side of another. The comforter doesn't mean he covers you with comfort. It means, this is what the comforter means, it means as you go into battle, take comfort, I'll go with you. It doesn't mean, it's God's good, right? It doesn't mean he protects you from battles. It means as you go into battle, take comfort, I'm by your side. See, Psalm 23, a verse we all know well and, and like to say, but sometimes don't realise what we're saying. He says, as I go, even though I walk through the darkest valley or as I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're by my side. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But where do we find this comfort? In the valley of the shadow of death. It's right there in the difficulty. I don't have comfortability, but the comforter is going with me. Let's now go to 2 Corinthians and go to the New Testament. What does it say? It says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Oh, don't you wish sometimes it just stopped there? But it keeps going because it has to be honest. Who comforts us in our troubles? so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive from God. The truth is, we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit 
the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to help us because we're going to have trouble. This is the way I see it. And we have to understand the paradox. Otherwise, we get disappointed from God when we only see Him from an imbalanced perspective that God, you make me comfortable, which will make me either do things by myself or expect Him to do everything for me. But when I see it in balance, this is what it is. It's not a promise of comfort, but the guarantee of discomfort that means I need Him. Let me say it again. It's not a promise of comfort, but it's the guarantee of discomfort that means I need the comforter. So don't go to the extreme of when trouble comes your way, getting upset with God, or going to the other extreme of saying, fine, I'll do it all by myself. No, you've actually got to walk through this with God because He will require you to walk through it, but He will be the comforter right by your side. So what are we saying today? Allow Him to stretch you. Allow Him to let you carry weight. Be okay with the testing. Don't be put off by the storms because the the comforter is not a promise there'll be storms, but it's a promise that He'll be with you in the storm. And if He wants to stop the storm of His choosing, He can. But if the storm rages on, He is with you and that is enough. In fact, let me say it this way. Are you doing okay? If you are fighting to be comfortable, you are doing the job of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. If you're fighting just to be comfortable, you're doing His job. If you're trying to find a comfortable season, you've taken control off Him. And if you are now just comfortable, you will no longer be pressing into the coal on your life. Let me say it again. If you're fighting to be comfortable, you're actually doing His job. And if you're trying to find the comfortable season, then you're actually trying to take control over your own life. And if you are just comfortable, well, you're no longer pressing into coal. So what are we saying? We're saying, I'm okay with discomfort because if I've got him, I'm okay. Amen? Trust the tension. Let me show you a second one, very similar. Peace doesn't mean peaceful. The promise paradox. Peace doesn't mean peaceful. What am I saying? Well, sometimes we think peace is a feeling. And we think peace is an emotion. And we think peace is a lack of chaos and difficulty or storms in my life. But when we read Ephesians, we actually see that peace is a weapon because you will have trouble. Some of us came here today hoping we'd be told, you'll have no trouble. All I'm telling you today is life is filled with trouble, but good news, you have His peace. God, sometimes there's trouble to the left of me. There's trouble to the right of me. There's trouble behind me. There's trouble in front of me. There's trouble in my marriage. There's trouble in my family. There's trouble with my job. There's trouble with my mind. There's trouble with my friends. And sometimes we think then something must be wrong with me. Something must be wrong with God or something must be wrong with them. But maybe God is allowing giants to be left in your life so that you wouldn't depend on your feelings of peace, but you would depend on the Prince of Peace. That you would trust who He is more than how you feel. Jesus says it this way, it's not how you think things go. He says, it's how I intend you to have peace. So John tells us chapter 14, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. He's saying, my peace is different than the peace you expect. My peace is different to the peace that you can buy from what you've been shown or, or on that advertisement or that holiday. That's not real peace, my peace is different. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There's two types of peace. The first type of peace is peace with 
God. And it's when you've heard the good news that you are loved, that there is a God that made you, can wants to do life with you, has saved you, has forgiven you, and invites you into family. Today, if you don't know Jesus, you have this opportunity today for the first time or the first time in a long time to have peace with God. I love that as a follower of Jesus, I have peace with God. But there's a second time of peace, and it's the peace of God. And why do you need the peace of God? Because life will be filled with worry, and life will be heavy at times, and life you will have opposition, and there will be anxiousness, there will be regret, there will be shame, there will be fear, there will be compromise, there will be doubt, and therefore I have trouble, and I need the peace of God. Jesus said it this way a couple chapters later in chapter 16. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Do you know how I wanna read it? I want Jesus to say, in you, Josh, you'll have peace. But he actually says, no, I've told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world, say it with me, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. What is he saying? He's saying you are going to have trouble. There are going to be storms, but he is the peace you need. He is the Prince of Peace. He gives you peace that surpasses your understanding. So stop trying to work out what God is doing and stop trying to fit God into your paradigm, your experience and what you've walked through. But instead allow the peace that is greater than any Anything you can understand because his ways are not your ways and his thoughts are not your thoughts. So therefore he gives you a peace that surpasses your understanding because trouble will come your way, but take heart for he has overcome the world. Amen. So will I have trouble? Yes, but I'm okay with it because if I have Jesus, I'm okay. Can I give you one more today? Just down the same line. Joy doesn't mean happiness. And again, when we look at the promises of God, we read it and say it, but we interpret it often as happiness when we see joy. The truth is, joy isn't happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Based, happiness is based on circumstances. So when I have good happenings, I have strength. But when I have a difficult happenings, I lose my strength. And when I'm in between, I'm a little bit complacent. And that strength is actually there to help me go on the journey. So I'm running with everything when life's good. And I'm down in my udi when life's hard. But I tell you, God didn't want you to live a life up and down, but He wanted you to have strength in all circumstances. So He never gave you happiness based on happenings. He gave you joy that was based on Jesus because Jesus doesn't have an up and down moment. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So when I have a loss of happiness, it's okay. You will have moments of sadness. That's okay. You will have moments of grief. That's okay. You will have moments of joy, of happiness. That's okay. You will have moments of ecstasy. That's okay. But what should be consistent in all of your life is joy that's found on the promises of God that gives me an inner peace. Joy, not in my comfort, but in my comforter. It's why when I've got Him, I'm okay, because I've got joy. See, Weeping can last for the night. You know, it doesn't say weeping's bad. 
Weeping's okay. But joy comes in the morning. It's the promise that every morning when you get up and dress yourself, you may have been in a season of grief, but joy can be your strength in the new day. Circumstance, he didn't say, weeping lasts for the night and I'll change the circumstances in the morning. He said, weeping lasts for the night and joy comes in the morning. He says, oil of joy. He gives us oil of joy for morning. When do you need the oil of joy? When things get rigid and tough and stiff and difficult to move forward. So he's good enough to come and give the oil of joy to get things moving again. See, I may not think everything around me is okay, but I'm okay because if I've got Jesus, I'm okay. See, this is, the keys can come. It's a, it's a promise paradox. It seems like it doesn't make sense, yet when you explore it, you find out it actually is true. It's why when I'm weak, I'm strong. It's why when I'm poor, I'm rich. It's why I can rejoice for mourning. Can I say, this is why Christians, we are a paradox to people. We should make no sense because when they look at your life, they're not meant to see that everything is perfect. They're not meant to see that you have it all together. But the fact that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world is that even though you go through times of fear, you've got faith to keep on going. That even though you're overcoming and you're not there yet, you still live with a sense of victory. You see, in the uncomfortable, you still have the ability to take comfort. That in the storm somehow, because of Jesus, you have peace. And in the middle of mourning, you have joy. They should look at you and go, it's not okay with you, but somehow you're okay. And you'll say, it's okay because I've got Him, I'm okay. It's actually just walking in the tension and trusting that God is good even when life isn't. See, faith in Jesus is not a promise of no fear or peaceful lives or comfort or happiness. That's not what He promises but He does promise I'll be with you always, that I am the answer, He is the answer to all of it, that you can trust Him, that He is always present, He is always good, and He is always turning it for His good. Because if we get this wrong, and if we only view it through our circumstances and our experience, I will be mistaken to think that trouble is my enemy, adversity is personal, Comfort is my goal and happiness is my guide. But it actually, church, I'll tell you today, the enemy is the enemy. Jesus is personal. Growth is my goal and the Word is my guide. And I'm okay with it in the storm and in the chaos and in the ups and downs of life because if I've got Him, I'm okay. You see, the truth is, without the obstacles and without the trouble and without the fear, how does He get the glory in my life? Because when everything is perfect and good, the reality is I'll take the glory. So it's actually in the middle of the storm and the trial where I can trust Him that He gets the glory. And I found this, the greater the storms, the greater His presence, the greater my peace, the greater His glory. So sure, I'm not saying today, be happy about the storms. I hate the storms. I don't enjoy the trouble. I want life to be good. But I tell you what, I'm okay because I have my peace in Jesus. 
And I'm okay because I have the comforter by my side. And I'm okay because the joy is my strength and the joy is found in Him. So let me tell you today, church, there will be storms, but there won't be a storm that He won't be your peace in. And there will be obstacles, but there won't be an obstacle that He won't be your victory in. And there will be fear, but there won't be fear that He doesn't give you faith to overcome with. And there will be challenges, but there won't be a challenge that He will not be by your side in. He will be there every step of the way. And there will be circumstances that are up and circumstances that are down. But let me tell you, He will always be the joy in your life that gives you strength. He says, you're gonna lift sometimes. You're gonna run sometimes. You're gonna stretch sometimes. But I'll be with you always always until the end of age. He says, I'm your ever-present help in a time of need, that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power works best in your weakness. So today is a word that says, if you're weak, it's okay. He's strong and He'll make you strong. And if you're poor, He's the all-sufficient one. He'll help you to be rich. And if you're lost, He's the good shepherd that goes looking for you to help you be fine, be found, because He is your comforter. He is your peace. And He is your joy. And as we walk in the balance of all of who He is, and as we look at Him with this healthy tension, we get to grow and we get to find how good and wonderful and magnificent He is. Wonderful Father, mighty God, Prince of Peace. I tell you, He loves you. He has good for you. And He wants you to trust Him today. I'm gonna pray for everyone in a moment. We're just gonna take a second to worship. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, today I'm gonna ask you, do you have peace with God? Do you realise that you don't have to understand it all? I don't. I'm here preaching. I don't understand most of it. Today's not about you knowing everything. Today's just about having an awareness that you are loved, that there's a God that made you and is good with you. He forgives you. He gave His life for you. And He just asked you today to believe that you are in need of a Saviour and to accept Him into your life, to accept Him as a Father, to accept His love, to accept His grace, to be good with God, to be good with Dad. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. 
He's a father. He's a friend. And you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer. And wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.